You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Um, Our theme music is a clip of Summer Nights by the Eric Jones Trio. It's provided by our friend Mark Chesanow, who plays with the Eric Jones Trio every Thursday and Sunday at Good Times Jazz Bar downtown. Hey everyone, welcome to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey, and I have the pleasure of being with Chris Monroe. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me. So glad to have you. Happy to be here. It seems from your website, actually, your writer name is Christopher Monroe. Yeah, that's my byline. Okay. But you can call me Chris. (laughs) (laughs) But anybody's Googling you, call you Christopher. Yeah, Christopher with a K. Yeah, exactly. There is also another Christopher with a K out there, which I found in New York. And I think we were battling for Google hits because he was like doing all these things and he's a performer and I know that he, we knew about each other. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to you get were more duking Google. it out? Yeah, duking it out on Google. Have you won on Google? Uh, I have now. I think he's sort of subsided <laughs> to doing something else. him. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. that. In the battle between Savannah and New York. Yeah. You've come out. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. It's okay. Funny. <laughs> well, um, I'll start. I'll, I'm going to read a little bit. Your bio from your Instagram I thought was very funny. It calls you um, writer, editor, and freelance culture assassin with over two decades of experience writing about the arts and other symptoms of human creativity. I think it's a great, super colorful bio. The word assassin is pretty aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of being um, a cultural observer and critiquer, a cultural, yeah. Yeah, like not just observing, but putting your viewpoint in there too. Yeah, in like in a way, not like not in a not in an overly like editorial way, but yeah, yeah. everything is kind of coming from a point of view. Or whatever. I was thinking when photographers talk about how they are like behind the lens and they're kind of observing people oh, and yeah. shooting and taking photos, and that's almost like when you talk about yourself viewing culture and yes, talking about exactly, it. Yes, exactly. Like a degree removed. Almost. Yes, very much so. Because I try to in all my writing, I try to put the subject or the person. That I'm writing about up front. I don't try to get, you know, some writers kind of put themselves in the pieces all the time. Oh, I tr- yeah. Try not to do that. I try to sort yes, of. Yes, I know what you mean. Put the person I'm interviewing in the front, but it's also coming filtered through my point of view, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's a little bit as if you weren't there, a human body, doing the interview with yeah. them slightly. Yeah. yeah. It's try I to, that. I try to be subversive in that way and also pick, pick subjects that I'm already interested in, sort of highlighting yeah in, in, in that way yeah have you ever picked somebody i mean is it always people who you are feeling positive about and want to elevate or is it ever somebody yes. who's like annoying you no that's a good question because i've always i've always had the policy i'm lucky that i've decided i'm i'm a i'm freelance so yeah. i get to, I, I mean i have had I, I do have things assigned to me but i've been able i've been lucky enough to be able to just sort of basically pick and choose what I write about yeah. and I've been I'm very conscious consciously do not write about things that I don't like so if I don't like it I just ignore it and somebody else I love writing like hit pieces because they're funny but I don't do that so, yeah just so in your I, head maybe. yeah I, I mean I enjoy reading that stuff but I don't engage yeah. in it myself yeah. I try to just put, promote the positive that's great I definitely wanted to later talk to you about how you go about getting your pieces and whether you're pitching them and how much control you have over it. So that definitely want to hit on that later. Um, but we'll kind of start around on your site. You said you were born and raised in Atlanta. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And then how old were you when you moved to Seattle? Um, I'm not going to tell anybody my age. <laughs> Never I, ask a lady their late, age. Right? It was late in life. We'll put it that way. What does that mean? 80, 17, 40? Let's see. I'm 104 now. Right. So uh, it was, uh, let's say my 
were you, were you college age or were you no old? no I was like like well into my 20s okay yeah okay. so you moved to Seattle Later was that on. because of uh, and I know you, you did a lot of writing for these kind of Cool zine indie publications. Was it about the music scene? Many. I, actually, the funny thing is, I, I the, uh, the this is really weird, but I actually wanted to. One of the reasons I wanted to move to the Pacific Northwest was because of the World Trade Organization protests oh. way back when, and yeah. I was like, oh, that sounds kind of radical, and like that that might be my scene. So I actually checked out Portland and ended up moving to Seattle. Instead. So it was really more about the. The local there. Yeah, okay. So you wanted to move there and kind of be in groups of people who are, I don't know, like think tanks, nonprofits, protesting? No, I've always kind of been interested in, I didn't know what I was going, wanted to do, to be honest with you. D- d- really moving to Seattle was in order to get away from Atlanta. Okay. I love Atlanta, but it is, um, uh, the writer Henry Miller calls the street he grew up on in Brooklyn, the street of early sorrows. And I consider Atlanta my street of early sorrows. Wow. There's there's a lot of mixed emotions with Atlanta because I didn't have maybe the best childhood. So there's a lot, but I also have a lot of really good friends in Atlanta and a lot of good connections. But then there was a lot of bad times that happened too. So I kind of just needed to get out of there. And the the farthest away I could get in the continental U.S. was Seattle. That's true. So that's it's where the I went. complete opposite. And it was, it's a very corner. different culture out there. But it, that's pretty much yeah. why I did that. And I've, it, yeah. I've heard people can be very kind of chilly in the Pacific. They were, Seattle, it was a culture they're shock. They're not looking for friends. So it was a culture shock. It, yeah. And the first, and I didn't know a single person, not one person. That's very brave. And it was so lonely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very outgoing, and I, I went to all these coffee shops, and I ended up making friends and stuff. But the first, like, say, month, a month and a half, maybe two months, it was, boy, it was brutal. It was rough. It was brutal. Was it raining all the time, too? Was it, like, I actually moved stereotype? there. I moved there when it was not raining so much, and I remember visiting there and being at a coffee shop. And uh, I was talking to somebody, and they asked, that I said I was thinking of moving there, and they were like, oh, they, they, they told me, like, oh, well, just just know that it's not like this all the time. It sounded like they didn't really want me to move there. It's, like, it's not nice like <laughs> yeah, this yeah. all the time. I was like, yeah, I know. I like the rain. Temporary and then I moved there, and I realized I freaking hate the rain because yeah, it yeah. sucks when it rains all the time. You can time. kind of imagine what it's like to be raining all the time, but until you're in it, you it, don't really know. It's pretty bad. Yeah. When you moved there, were you um, were you doing freelance writing? I was. I started. I mean, I started writing in Atlanta. I started kind of doing that but I it really I kind of really took it seriously when I moved to Seattle and I wrote for this really awesome publication there called Tablet Magazine it was actually a free alt weekly there at the time actually Seattle had no less than three alt alt publications yeah they seemed like they had a lot of things that were publishing like collages and poetry and just like these real like multi well and even even like mainstream it was there was like the Seattle Weekly which was their like kind of mainstream alt weekly then there was the stranger yeah which dan savage you yeah know, savage love he was editing that at the time that i was there and then there was tablet mag tablet was also a, a weekly at the time bi-weekly yeah and we were sort of the more like punk rock like alt 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 <laughs> alternative okay. um but yeah so i started doing that and i was got into writing about how art and it- stuff how easy was it to so arrive and you had some clips that you'd written when you lived in Atlanta? How easy was it to approach editors and start getting things? Um, I mean, it's, I, I like dove in head first and I just started pitching, pitching stories and stuff. And I actually pitched something to the, I pitched stuff to the stranger and they didn't, 
they didn't accept me, so yeah. I went with I went with tabloid, <laughs> and it all worked out for right, the best. Right. It just it happened, was, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it was pretty easy, and I ended up writing. It's funny. I just I just posted something on Instagram about a lit publication that I wrote for in Portland. And I didn't realize how many interesting people, like the, 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 the next page of that publication had uh, an essay from um, Todd Haynes. If you know, oh, like the director, Safe. right? Yeah, the directors. He did Safe and um, Far From Heaven. Did Poison. he do Welcome to the Dollhouse? Or am I thinking of something That's else? Todd Salon. Oh, okay. Wow. Who I also randomly <laughs> ran into in New York. That's a whole other story, though. <laughs> I think I'm one of the only people that know what he looks like. I do know Far From Heaven. I do know that one. Yeah. Okay. Far, yeah. Um, but was it, it, it was just, it's just weird to like look back and go, oh, this really super famous person wrote something yeah. next to me when I was just a, fir- a beginning writer and huh. kind of figuratively, uh, figuratively rubbing elbows with him. How, um, how was the vibe there when you were living in Seattle? Did you feel like you needed to like really be part of the community and understand Seattle and be writing about it like as a local, the way kind of in Savannah people it's like you need to know no, about Savannah to no, write there. No, I don't like think that? so. I think Savannah's a little more provincial like that. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but no, yeah. it was more. It was more just. Uh, I think it was more just like arts and culture stuff. And there, I was writing about like um, street art and that sort of thing. And there's yeah. there's some really cool galleries there that, that exhibited stuff like that. So, so one of the magazines you wrote for was the one that Shepherd Ferry had started. Yeah, Swindle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was a lot of uh, street art kind of thing. That's basically what I got my start writing about art because I kind of just, I've always been interested in graffiti and stuff. And so yeah. I've written for some publications that were, that covered that stuff. And then it sort of just ended up transitioning and I've always liked art. So then it just transitioned into like other stuff. Had you had, when you was in Atlanta and growing up, did you have any art training or anything at nope. some point? Like how did you ever get nope, into writing about any. art? <laughs> because I like art. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> because okay, I, so that's I duped possible. everyone. I duped everyone into thinking that I could... <laughs> do this okay but yeah no that's literally it (laughs) you pulled out a thesaurus for your early articles and then from there you just could keep going yeah no I really was like it started it's funny because I think about it and I'm like well I I really like maybe I'm blowing my cover now but but no yeah I mean I just started writing about like street art and stuff like that and I got to know gallery owners and more of like um what they call pop art yeah um but I don't know if that's a term that people still use. They do. Pop yeah. surrealism There's, and that um, sort of thing. Ashley, I think, Long, Longshore or Longfellow. I'm bad with names. She's in New Orleans. She's a famous pop artist. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah. familiar. Um, but it, but then it just kind of became into fine art and stuff. And I think maybe it's just more about like the maybe just my writing perspective because I've always been a writer. So I guess I try to just bring the same sort of perspective yeah to things whatever I'm writing about where were you so when you were in your early 20s and you were starting freelance writing like what were you imagining that you, you wanted your career to be so that's a funny question because I, I I always go back to this because I started writing sort of horror and science fiction that's what I first got published okay and at the time it was a very niche thing that's more like in the in the mainstream now but so much of it was just really crappy, like vampires and werewolves and stuff, which is not what I do. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to make a living doing this because I'm going to get pigeonholed into this just super ultra nerdy yeah. genre, like niche. And I don't want to, didn't want to do that. So I totally gave that away, gave it up. But I've kind of come full circle and started writing right, right. stuff Now that like you have that. this whole career of doing Yeah, and now I'm writing, like, oh, and now it's in the dabble. mainstream and everybody likes 
movies based on comic books and yeah, stuff. So yeah. it's like, okay. Maybe. Was that back when, was it like, were blogs big and kind of, you were just it publishing was right when, on I'm totally dating myself, but it's totally right when like, the internet was starting to be a thing. And I go back and it's funny because I, 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 I was reviewing movies for this one horror website. And it, that's one of those, there's so many things I've written that, that have disappeared into the internet ether. Yeah, where the links don't work but anymore. But recently, I found that website, and I'm like, oh my god, oh, really? so embarrassing. This is like oh. stuff I wrote like way, way back when that I wish disappeared. Did you find it in the, isn't there like a way back machine? On there the is, there is. Things? But this one's just like regularly on there. the internet. I'm like, of course, of all the things still that there. is still there. Yeah, it was So tell us the name so we can look for that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it for you in the end. You have to, like, dig. Yeah, I'll have to tell you. It's funny, though, because it's got a picture of me, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is the weirdest thing. <laughs> what did you, um, did you have, were you good about having a routine of writing and bounce, did you have to bounce with a day job? Like, what? Uh, yeah, I've like? always balanced my writing with a day job, because I've kind of, I've, maybe I've just been not as focused, but I always feel like, like I said earlier, like, I like being able to freelance. And there was a time when I was living in New York, I was like, oh, I'm going to become an editor and I'm going to have a full-time job as a writer and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And ironically enough, this was a time when like magazines were basically tanking and they were going away. So I, that yeah. was bad timing That's on right. my part. But I also realized that like, I don't really want to do that because I'd probably end up hating it. And so now I'm, I'm kind of reconciling maybe I'll be a full-time writer one day. But, but I also like the freedom that comes with being able to pick and choose. And like, I'm right, right now, I'm currently working at the Savannah Music Festival part-time, and yeah, that's cool. in, in the arts. It's not, you know, I do some writing for them, but yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a hard life, as you know, being a creative. And, I think, I mean, yeah, people are able to work part-time. I feel like part-time is the perfect amount of working you know, because you, I mean, it's, it's lame to like be at home all the time working from home and having right, nobody but boring, being yeah. stuck to be somewhere Monday through Friday 9 to 5 is a lot so like split the difference half time of working out of the house and being like tied to a thing and then having the rest of the time to yourself is great and then the other part is if you want to work in nonprofits or arts organizations they seem they almost never are able to hire somebody full time and offer yes. benefits and that amount of hours so if you're like able to string together a bunch of things and work part time then you it's like the most interesting jobs are available. You're to you totally nailed it. Yes. Thank yeah. you. It's also difficult because you don't have benefits and all this sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, but you're well, right. You totally nailed it. Now that there's Obamacare. Yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> well, you should get that. Well, maybe we'll talk offline about that. Okay. It's been for years. Okay. Okay. So you know, I, I can't afford it. All right, we'll talk about <laughs> That's a whole other story. That's another show. <laughs> okay, so we can cover, so then you were in Seattle, and then at some point you moved to New York. Yeah. Um, I guess you won't talk about how old you were then. Nope. <laughs> you, you were in New York for, is it seven years? About, a little right? over seven years. I, so my, my plan wasn't to stay in Seattle forever, and then I went down to, thought I would go to San Francisco, didn't go to San Francisco, ended up going to New York. And then I was like, oh, this is it. I, this is, I'm never leaving. This is where I belong. Yeah. Um, and that was like, I was in my 30s, we'll say that. Did you move there just because the opportunities for writing yes. is going to be easier to be 100%. There? 100%. Okay. And I dove in like head first. And I was like, I, I remember, I always tell the story. I remember going into Barnes & Noble to the magazine rack when that was still a thing. Oh, yeah. And that it was like, vast rack. It was, it was right in Union Square. And I would always go in there and I'd go look through the magazines and figure out which ones I wanted to pitch, which ones I wanted to write for. And I remember going in there. I was like, okay, I want to write for that one, write for that one, write for that one. Okay. 
So I got all my list and everything. I went did my pitches. Fast forward like maybe four or five months later, I was, I was in there. I was like, oh, I, sometimes I get I get contributors copies. Sometimes not. I sometimes I have to buy the magazine. So I was in there looking for a magazine. With what does article. that mean? If you get something published, then they'll give you? Yeah. So usually, okay. usually they'll give you a contributors copy. Sometimes not. It seems like the least they could do. You would think, right? But sometimes I would actually have to go and buy my own magazine. But I was like, oh, this... I remember this this article's out. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. And then I was like, oh, wait, I think I did that review. That's probably in that magazine. Oh, wait, and that other article might be out. And I had a like moment so many. where I flipped back to that moment where I was, like, deciding which magazines. And I was like, oh, I'm in that magazine and that magazine and that magazine. And That's that was so cool. a, yeah, that was a moment. So it was almost like your success rate in New York was, like, it was pretty good. You were. I, I really, I had I had good street cred there when I, because of the magazines I was writing for. So I ended up. I got into so many parties for free and like all kind just yeah. just based on the magazines I was writing. You were, for. I wrote them down. You were writing for the Village Voice and the Atlantic. You had one. I wrote the Atlantic. Actually, wasn't until I moved to, see, to to Savannah. Okay, actually. okay. But um, I, the big ones there were like Beautiful Decay. I don't know if you're okay. familiar with them, but like then, that that was a big design. And juxtapose is a big. And juxtapose. Magazine. Are they based in New York? Juxtapose. Um, juxtapose is. West Coast. I think they're okay. based in like San Diego LA, or something or LA. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Beautiful Decay was by by Coastal, but yeah. Anyway. What were the type of um, articles that you were writing for these places? It was all over the map. I was writing about like design stuff. I was writing about art stuff. Uh, I mean, I was getting invited. I just, I wrote about this hotel in um, Mexico and they invited me to come stay for free no and I was way. like oh well if I could afford a plane ticket I, I would love wow. to but I didn't get some of those perks but I got some I got some really good perks from some of the design magazines and art magazines and yeah stuff that like must that be fun before. yeah it was awesome even just to be able to go to I mean to like the museums are expensive to go to so even if you just like get a free pass to go to the Google I got or into <laughs> so many free things and there was one I always tell this story too there was one moment where I was writing this article on I don't really drink too much anymore, but I was definitely drinking in New York, and I was doing this article on uh, uh, high-end liquors like vodkas and scotches, yeah. and I really was really into scotch at the time. And they sent me to my door. They had deliveries, of, and I thought they were going to give me samples, these little like uh, uh, little airplane bottles. bottles. They brought me full fifths of these scotches. Oh. <laughs> like bags and bags and bags of them and the cheapest one was like eighty dollars wow. like 80 to like 200 there was one bottle they gave they brought me that was five hundred dollars <laughs> and it was one of the only like 10 bottles released in the entire united states wow but i was so broke at the time that i ended up selling that bottle <laughs> like on craigslist and no it was totally like a drug deal i had to like find who would buy this bottle? Because I was like, oh, I'd really love to drink this, but like, I'd also really love $500. Wow. But there's a place called, it was a very specialty place in New York. I called a couple of liquor stores and they're like, oh, I think this place might buy it. And we went and did this exchange and he gave me like $500 and in a five one hundred dollars. It really bills. was this limited edition. It was total, and I was so like, funny. I'd love to, I'd love to try this when you you open it. And they're like, no, we're gonna put this in a safe. <laughs> open it like 20 years so ago. you hadn't received this liquor to drink it to review it for an yes. article it was just no 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 it was to drink to to, oh. to review so how did you review it the funny thing is the magazine folded before i even wrote oh, the article oh my gosh <laughs> so i got Crazy. all this free stuff and i was like what's gonna happen now like are they gonna come after me but yeah yeah too bad that so the liquor company never that... actually got their article 
No. That's crazy. They could no. still, they but might it wasn't be listening my fault. to this now. Yeah, I know. But it wasn't my fault. It was the magazine's fault. What magazine was that? I shouldn't say. Okay. I shouldn't say. <laughs> but they, they actually paid me really well, and I don't know why they went under oh it. But, like, it was super high, and that was the place that I was offered to come free, the motel. That's funny. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Do you have a secret, kind of a secret formula for doing your pitches at this point? And has it evolved as time has gone on? Yeah, I think my secret formula is basically to like just be a person. Because I've been an editor myself and I've had people pitch me. And whenever you get the like really boring, like this is the this is the email I send to every single person. Yeah. I kind of, it doesn't really hit. So I try to just like have my personal voice in there and... You do in that case seems to do well. if people are listening and they're looking to break into this, do you like attach a couple of like links or clips of generally? Past yes, yeah. And, and I listened to your, your article on with Ariel, which was awesome, by the way. Right. I really enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, and she and she mentioned like that she would she would um, include links to her stuff, and I, I do that sometimes. I yeah. usually try to kind of formulate the article and send kind of links to the articles that I'm reading that would inform the article I would write. Right, for sure. That's usually what I do. Would you be, when you lived in New York, would you be like going to any of these magazine offices to do the writing or are you just writing from home? No, it's all, it was all freelance. I mean, I got to know a lot of editors and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Would you have to go into the offices to talk to the editors at all about working through things? No, it was all, it was mostly all uh, remote. Although I was, I did work on this project with the painter Eric Fischel. I don't know if I'm not familiar. Yeah. And, and we did, there was a, they, published a poetry book and I did go to one of the publishers in New York and I can't remember which one it was but it was one of the really old school publishers and I went in there and it looked exactly like you would think it was it, it was almost a movie set it was all dark wood and like books on the shelves yeah. and it was dimly lit and it was like leather couches and stuff wow. and it was really dope because I, I was like oh my god this is like a real place yeah and you could just picture like. somebody like smoking a a pipe or something behind the desk. Was that in like the Upper West Side? No, it was it was on it was in Midtown near it was sort of near I wish I could remember the publisher's name. It's they were super famous. It was like Simon and Schuster or something. Yeah. But it wasn't Simon wow. and Schuster. But it was it was funny because it was a really small office and I was like, this is smaller than I thought and then when I saw the place I was like, oh wow, this is like you know, one of those places in New York that's like been there forever. Yeah. And you know like, oh wow, this is like a lived in space that's like that's Tons really cool. of famous people have been here. Famous people have been it's here. It's funny that, yeah, you, that, cool. that you, didn't, you didn't regularly have to go into any office and deal with any editor face. No. Just because it's like if you're already in the city, you'd think that they would frequently, you know, have you come by. I mean, I'd see people out, but I never had yeah, to yeah. go to any offices, really. There was an episode of Sex in the City where Carrie started writing some freelance for Vogue, and they had her come in and talk to them. They also, they were like no. tearing apart her piece, and there was a lot of red pen. Yeah, that's a whole nother her. level. I, if I was writing for Vogue, I probably okay. would have gone in there. <laughs> Yeah, Condé Nast is like a whole nother level. <laughs> Where is the Village Voice based? Where is their office? Uh, they're in the Lower East Side, but I never went into their office okay. either, actually. Did you find, was there a difference in the pay rates of like New York versus Seattle? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I got paid. I really didn't like the article I wrote for the Village Voice. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. But, but they paid me well, and it was good. I yeah. actually was more happy with writing for New York Press, to be honest oh, with really? you. Oh, really? Yeah. And as a reader, I actually read New York Press more. I, I think the Village Voice isn't, it's like Rolling Stone. It's not quite what it used to be. Well, it's not really anything now, but, but. Did you have day jobs while you lived there too? I did. Yeah. 
it's funny because I, I, I spent like through the first three years there thinking, oh, I'm going to make it. I'm going to going to get a great job and kept, kept paying for stuff with my credit cards and credit card debt, debt went up and up. I'm like, no, but I'm just, I'm making all these connections and I'm meeting these editors and I'm yeah. going get to get a job. And like I said, it, it was the time when like magazines were folding left and right. Mm. And I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm not going to get that editorial job. Maybe I need to get a real job now. So I did end up working for this architecture and design firm. Um, which was actually really that's interesting it was awesome actually did you kind of get that because you obviously had this like artistic background in a way tangentially yeah I like I, I temp for them a few times and actually I, this is a whole nother story but I got some other stuff I actually was I was uh I got involved with the National Museum of Hip Hop and Hip Hop Hall of Fame while through there that's a whole nother oh. story though because that was something they were designing and I was like oh I'm a writer I would you would it be cool to pitch this story because I was temping there and I was still looking for stories and they're like well let me let's ask the person I met with the guy and I ended up getting involved with them for a little while and that's a whole other story didn't pan out obviously <laughs> but but yeah I, I ended up working there and I was like oh this is it was a really creative place it wasn't one of those like square architecture and design firms it yeah. was like really lively and yeah kind of like, avant-garde oh. yeah 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 very much and and i think i just fit in there i did fit in there because i they liked me i liked working there and they ended up offering me a full-time job and i was like yes please i'm broke <laughs> and then i and then i actually the funny thing is i quit writing for a while because i was like this is this is too much. I just want to live like a normal person. Yeah, in New yeah. York just have the while. one job. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really, I was long hours and stuff, but I loved it at the time. It's hard. I think we overlapped living in New York. So I think we did. I was there from 2010 to 2017. So I left there, I was there from 20, 2005, and I moved to Savannah in 2013. Okay. So you overlapped a few years Yeah, there. we definitely That's did. That's funny. Sure, we saw each other across the way. We didn't know. <laughs> so there's three years that we both were there. I had a full time job at the beginning, and then it was in 2013 that I quit that full time job to like do my art. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty impressive. I had I'm a, impressed I, with yeah, that. Yeah, so I had to have a part time job while I was there. But that's the last time I ever had a full time job was 2013. I'm impressed with that. Thanks. Actually, me too. The last hey, time you had a full time yeah, job. Yeah, word. All right. Amazing. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I kind of wish I had a little more income now, but but it is, but it does give you freedom, right? I mean, it gives you freedom to kind of yeah, you know, live on your terms. It's very hard. I mean, once you're out of that, it's I think it'd be very very hard to go back to having to go to an office yeah. from nine to five Monday to Friday. Yeah, real hard. I mean, even I love Savannah Music Festival, but they're in a they're in an office with lawyers, so it's a it's it's a law office. Oh. So not but not very interesting. Like it's very officey. And I hate it. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I like working at the music festival, but it's just yeah. like, oh god, it's nine to five. Ugh, office. Ugh. How often do you work there? Like two and a half days a week. That's perfect. It's That's very, it's very day. manageable. Yes, and yeah. I and I love it there, and I'm I'm happy with you know it's it's cool. Yeah. Well, this is good. Okay, we're gonna take a little station break, and then this is a great time. We'll parlay this into you do a lot of community work, and you're on boards and various things like that that sound very adult and important. My other so life, yeah. We'll talk about that too. So again, everyone, this is writer Christopher Monroe, and I'm Tamara Garvey, and we will take a little break. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Trees are one of Chatham County's most treasured natural resources. Beyond their beauty and cultural significance, the impact of trees are far-reaching and compounding, spanning from economic benefits to health improvements to climate change resilience. 
trees are woven into every aspect of our lives. Savannah Tree Foundation protects and grows Chatham County's urban forest through tree planting, community engagement, and advocacy. More information is available at savannatree.org. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at brighterdayfoods.com. What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming. And it doesn't just mean that we're a voice for the community. It also means that we're counting on the community to keep us going. And you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community-focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to WRUU.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 FM. Hey everyone, welcome back to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey and I am with local writer and culture assassin, yeah. Christopher Monroe. Chris Ar- Monroe. Arts advocate, you can add that too. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely more positive than we're an assassin I'm, I'm, and an I'm advocate. Both, I'm both. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we were going to the break, we were talking. We, you, we still had you in New York, but mm-hmm. let's bring you to Savannah. Mm-hmm. What, so you thought you were going to be living in New York forever. Yeah. What brought you here? So, yeah, it, uh, it, you know, it's expensive. As you know, it's expensive to live in New York. It's a little expensive. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I think it took, took its soul a little bit, too. Um, but, yeah, I, Savannah was actually, I, I had no plan to move down here. Longer story that I won't go into, but I, I was just planning on staying here for a year or two and, and moving back up north, possibly to D.C. Oh. Never been to D.C. really. To, I mean, I've been through there, but, you know, it was just kind of a vague idea. Uh, but I moved down to Savannah and I and here I am still like yeah. 10 years later. I didn't know if you if you kind of came down here because like your family was in Atlanta and you wanted to be a little closer to them, but not specifically Atlanta. And Savannah is more artsy, and that was well, why. it's actually my family is more in in Florida now. But it was it did feel like more familiar just because even though I had didn't never lived in Savannah, it was sort of Georgia was familiar to yeah, me. Yes. Yeah, yes. And I, I would think growing up in Atlanta, you'd be really familiar with Savannah, right? And that over the years, it's oddly just enough, more not artsy. really. Right, oddly well, enough, the, thanks I, for shooting down my entire theory. Yeah, no, that's not how happy. It's funny because I did. I found Savannah way later in life, and I was like, "Oh my God, Savannah's so cool! How come I didn't really realize it? It's weird." <laughs> I didn't. I think I yeah. was just so wrapped up into whatever was going on in Atlanta. Well, up I, until that, I mean, it, that you were talking about 2013, Savannah was still like really. It wasn't. I think it was so still, overtly yeah, reaching out to yeah, tourism. Yeah. It was trying to like keep its keep its light yeah, covered. I think it was, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I think it was still cool kind of undercover, of yeah. For sure. So you arrived here, you thinking you would be here for a year, but then when did you start writing? You had a long time column for the Savannah Morning News. So yeah, I, I jumped into, as I did when I went to New York, I, when I came to Savannah, I jumped in head first and I was like, oh, I, you know, I've got all this, all these credits and stuff. I, I should be able to parlay this into something, uh, writing credits, I mean. Um, and uh, yeah, and I just, I you know, I just started pitching pitching stuff and I ended up at the Savannah Morning News and um, yeah. 
um, Heather Hinley. We'll give her a shout out. She was my editor at the time. We became friends and she, uh, you know, I was writing for Do and then ended up writing the right. Sunday column for a while. Um, and Heather was very instrumental in, in helping me into all that stuff. Were so. you doing the Savannah Morning News and Do at the same time? Yeah, so Do was the, yeah, it was the, like, the, the Wednesday entertainment insert right. we but, used, but we, I was yes wasn't it a separate so we had connect for a while that comes out on Thursdays and right. there was due as well which I always thought of as a separate like another arts so it, and events so it was still week. a part of the Savannah Morning News it was an insert in the daily paper but they also distributed it free around the city as as, right. as, as a uh, yeah connect was as well okay but did make with doing that. And you were balancing both, like, these regular things for the morning news and do. Yeah, I mean, I was writing... There was a time where I was writing at least... So I was doing a Sunday column uh, in, the, in the Sunday paper, and then I was writing maybe an article or two in the Wednesday paper. Okay. So, I mean, it was, like, two to three... I usually wasn't doing three articles a week. That's a lot. But, but like, multiple weekly things. Yeah. 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 Where, where did you like to write? When you were um, in this phase in, of life. In my, little, in my little hole in my apartment. Okay. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a very typically solitary writer. I, <laughs> I like, I have to put earphones on if dogs are barking. I'm yeah. like, no, quiet. Everybody be quiet. So I can't, like, we were talking about writing here at a coffee shop. Can't do that. Can't, can't do that. And it looks like, I know um, for the Savannah Morning News, I mean, it really cool just the variety of things that you wrote about it was like just a smaller review there was like you wrote about the weeping time you wrote mm -hmm. about a big jack lee exhibit at the laney contemporary you wrote mm -hmm. about asaba island how much freedom like did you get to this relationship with your editor where every week you could just do whatever you wanted yes. or do things have to be approved how yes. did that work uh, she was she okayed everything that's why i wanted to shout her out because yeah. she I mean yeah it was literally I mean she would offer things but I I mean I'm pretty good at being having freelance like my whole life so I'm always trying to look for story ideas and yeah it was basically I just told them what I was going to write about basically yeah I mean yeah. and they were really good about I mean we were friends and we had a good working relationship and stuff so I mean it was it was um I mean I consider myself very lucky because yeah I mean it was basically I would just go find what I was going to write about yeah I have the mentality of like writing for periodicals, so I always try to, you know, it's always a timely. I try to make it a timely yeah, thing. You're looking ahead at what's coming right, up that week. Right. Was there ever anything that you wanted to write about that was going to be a little more like political or too pushing the envelope that was going to not? I try. Do thing? I try to stay away from like overtly political stuff, but I did write about like a, a pro-choice uh, art thing. And I did write about this. A couple of times about uh, Islamic art, which shouldn't be yeah. controversial, but this but that was, would be yeah. But apparently it is. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it was okay. You got it through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as the paper goes, they were fine with everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then for do you were kind of was that what you were doing weekly like reviews of specific art? Yeah, that shows? was more of the yeah. That was more of like I wouldn't say reviews, but just like interviews the and reviews, stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask kind of if um you're ever you're not you're not like reviewing art like giving an opinion this is this no is successful. when people I, I, I vehemently reject the art critic or the critic like title I don't I don't yeah. which is fine for other people but I don't that's not what I do I try to like we were talking about earlier I try to promote stuff that I enjoy yes. and if I don't like something you I just, just ignore just, it would you call it like a profile like an artist profile yeah that's style yeah. writing yeah. okay yeah. is there a call like are there publications in Savannah that are 
wanting people to write about art and really review it and give I think yeah your nay to it no okay I mean I guess that's up to the writer but no I don't really know because I didn't really ever come across reviews like that in right. any Savannah papers so I didn't know if that's just honestly not now that I'm thinking thing. about it when I when I was involved in Art Rise Savannah which was way back when we had a blog called Savannah Art Informer and they did and they did run some review type stuff there but yeah. that's long gone that's now, a long time ago so, yeah let's talk a little bit about you do um so now you've like you've like blossomed into this full adult where you yes. sit on like board, finally boards and things finally you, I, once, adult. I once went to a little like blurb at the cultural center to learn about doing a call for entries and you were like sitting there on the board of like oh yeah yeah, overviewing, I guess, for the city of Savannah. When they yeah, so pitches. that was the Cultural Affairs Commission, yeah. and they review the, the art, the money that's given to arts organizations by As the you, city. So gradually over time, you've become on a few various different boards and things, right? Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually now in my third year of chair of the Savannah-Chatham County Historic Site Monument Commission. I was a vice chair for two years, and I've been on that board for almost eight years now. Wow. Um, but as it relates to art, it, I, that, that's the review uh commission that reviews public art okay mural pitches yeah in addition to like historic markers and that sort of thing yeah are you guys talking about the various like the confederate thing that's in the middle of forsyth park is yeah that that's a whole we purview? could do a whole episode on that I but i have it has been my mission on that commission to get rid of those things yeah. and as you know they're still there but i haven't given right, up right there was one up. that's in Laurel Grove Cemetery yep. as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Now when they, they got they have been, you know, vandalized at various points. That's in the right. Past. It was, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's a whole nother thing. But yes, yes. I'm still on the job that's on that part one. Of that <laughs> I'm still okay. on the job on that that's one. That's interesting. So you guys are reviewing like mural pitches and then also this very serious like historical. Yes, and actually uh, in a in another bit of timely news, the uh, the renaming of Calhoun Square yeah. is coming yeah. up. We're actually gonna be hearing that on our commission next month have people has it already closed for people to suggest names and now y'all are going to be voting on it has there. and so it's going through the park and tree this might be too much in the weeds but it's going through park and tree commission then it comes to historic site and monument commission and then city council is eventually going to make a decision okay and so right now there are 14 names that need to be decided there are quite a few good names there. Yeah. i feel like there's great yeah, there options are. i'm yes. excited yes I, yeah. it's, I feel very very honored to be part of the process the last time there's only i think one there might be two. I think there might be only one square that was renamed, maybe two. But the last one, I believe, was Telfair Square, and that was 140 years ago. Wow! So this is good trivia. This is a this is a, a very momentous yeah occasion. for this to happen. What was Telfair Square named before? I can't remember. All but it was something. Like I, I can get you that information or, if you want. Yeah. Like was it something so offensive that they it had was, to change it? To this Telfair. was 140 years right. ago. <laughs> no, I think it was renamed Telfair Square because. Of the Telfairs. Okay. Wanted it renamed Telfair Square. I, think, I, I don't know the history, but I'm guessing that's probably what, what went down. Yeah. <laughs> they were offended that somebody else's name was on it. It was probably what it was. What is it like? So when you sit on a board, what does that mean exactly in terms of time? Uh, well, so the Cultural Affairs Commission was a lot more of a time commitment because we had to go to various events like arts events and yeah. evaluate them. With the Historic Site Monument Commission, it's not as much. We, we just meet once a month. And we evaluate these, these, we call them petitions that come before the right. commission. Right, you have a docket. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so there's a little bit of like, 
the staff does most of the research there, but basically we're just reviewing it. And the main thing with the Historic Site Monument Commission is it's a, a forum for public comment. So we'll hear the public's comment and we'll take that into consideration right. with our recommendation. I'm imagining like on episodes of Parks and Rec where they would have these open meetings and all these like local dumbasses would come and just pitch insane it's, things. It's funny because usually there's almost nobody at those because it's usually like a historic marker or something but something like when the waving girl I don't remember if you, when know, it if moved you remember from one end of the river well to they the other. wanted to move it so it didn't end up happening but that was a very controversial and yes. the room was we actually had to move our meeting to the uh, county commissioner's uh, office because it was a bigger room and there was oh. tons of people and people were very every once in a while there's a controversial thing like the square renaming will be right i'm sure there'll be a lot of people for that but usually it's like three or four people okay right so the waving girl okay it didn't actually move it didn't it didn't it was weird because we voted to recommend to keep it where it was yeah but then the previous city council overrode historic site monument commission decision which i thought was not good and then they were going to move it yes but then they this city council that's currently sitting now gets credit for overruling the previous decision wow. and then so it stays where it is great which is the right decision so we can still go visit it on the east side of the river yes okay but it was a very odd situation because well i'm going to keep my mouth shut on that one but i was yeah, wondering was so when you spoke about a minute ago that when you were on the cultural what was it cultural, the cultural affairs commission and you would go to events and things for that can you parlay that into writing freelance articles about like the cultural things that you're seeing or is that mm, a conflict of interest probably not i mean i never really thought about it but i, I there might be some ethical concerns about that yeah. but I mean Savannah is such a small town that it's like there's not that <laughs> there's yeah, only so many arts organizations yeah, these various, that exist like you're on this organization or now this historical board and so the like issues that are coming up like are the issues in town and yeah. you know, that's what you would be writing about yeah I, mean, I will say that when I started working for the Savannah morning I mean the uh, Savannah Music Festival I did actually have to come off the Cultural Affairs Commission because Savannah Music Festival gets money from the city yeah. so you can't be a on that commission and be an employee of an organization that receives money. Oh, that so makes I actually sense. had to recuse myself, which which is fair. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Understand, I it, it was too bad, but it makes sense. What do you do for the Savannah Music Festival? I work in their development department, no less, which is like the raising, raising money, money part and stuff. Yes, it's all very it's all very confidential, but I get to see who gives what, and it's <laughs> very very interesting. So, and you get to go to lots of performances? Yeah, I, I mean, I worked during the festival, but I got yeah. to see pretty much everything. That's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I mean, there's some stuff that you're just like, oh, it's been 11 hours in the day and I don't even care anymore. But then every once in a while, you know, you have this like euphoric moment yeah. of, you know, seeing some music that you didn't even, you, I wasn't even aware of or something. So. I was thinking about starting to volunteer either at the Music Fest or maybe at the Jazz Fest because I love, the Jazz Fest always does the free stuff in the yeah, park, but yeah. the Music Fest, honestly, all the ticket prices, I was like, ah, like it was a little... Well, that's when you volunteer, volunteer and you get it free, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you'll shout out to the listeners, You can. T we totally need, you know, volunteers. Do you need volunteers? Yes. Okay. We're, you need all of us poor folks who They're, they're definitely looking for like younger volunteers and more diverse audiences and stuff so okay. yeah, yeah definitely the call is at officially out I love that yeah um what are you so lately you you're doing some creative writing you spoke yes. a little bit about how you started your career and you're doing this like niche sci-fi right kooky things you're getting a little bit back to this and like now everybody loves sci-fi so I'm fiction. like oh let me go cash yeah. in on that so you have um, on your website I saw you have a, a, a 
short fiction called The Evisceration Cafe. Yes. And then another one called What a Tired Web We Breed. Yes. Okay. And, and um, talk a little bit about those. Yeah, so it's funny because I've kind of, I was almost kind of embarrassed that I was writing genre fiction early on because I was like, oh, I want to be a serious writer. I don't want to be taken seriously. Um, but now, like I said, like that's all in the mainstream now. And so, and I've always liked it and been drawn to it. So now I've kind of feels like I've come full circle. Um, yeah. I just finished a novel. I just finished my novel. And I'm so I'm trying to get some of these short stories, m- more short stories out there to sort of get back in the swing of fiction. And, um, and it feels pretty cool. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this stuff. Why yeah. would I? Why would I not do what I really am interested in? And so now it doesn't feel quite though as quite as embarrassing. Like you're just right. Some like super specialized writer. Well, like, I do. I mean, it completely makes sense that you need to first build a career yeah. for the thing. Like you were actually making money. You were writing right, for publication, right. and now you can do whatever you want. Yeah. It'd be like if Stephen King wanted to write like historical romances at this point, he could do it. Yeah, and people would probably buy it. I would read everything. People would probably buy it. I love him. <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, it's 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 cool though because I've kind of yeah, it's, and it's funny to go back and look at it and go, wow, man, I've done some. I mean, not to sound like, I mean, immodest or anything, but I was like, man, I've done a lot of stuff. Okay, yeah. now I'm kind of take, you know, take account of that and think, well, okay, this is my core, sort of next step in my writing career is this book and getting some short stories out and stuff. It is actually way harder to get short stories published than like pitching magazines, at least to me, because I have. It's not a world that I've been in for so long. Yeah. What, so, what is the definition of a short story? Is there a any short line? fiction fiction based on just something you make up? Okay. Yeah. But it has. There's a. Is there like a cutoff between a short story and then a novella and then a novel? Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of different like <clears throat> word. I mean, yeah, word counts and stuff. Usually, most short stories are between like a thousand words and maybe five thousand to seven thousand words. Okay. That's about. If it's if it's online, maybe a little less because they most publications you're not going to sit there and read a really long story online, or most people won't. Well, I think if you're writing short stories, if you want to get it actually published, like printed, published, you'd have to have a bunch of them together, yeah, right? You have right. to have a book of short stories. Well, so. right. So maybe I'm trying to work up to that, but that's what I'm trying to do now is sort yeah. of get get a get a good like backlog of stories that I have to be shopping out because you know. At, you know, I think it's a similar to as as an artist. Like, I mean, the life of being a writer is the life of rejection, basically. <laughs> but yeah. you just have to like not have a thin skin about it. And be like, okay, well, that person didn't like that, so take it somewhere else. I do think it gets easier. I mean, as your years into your career, that like now I still get rejected from both all the time, yeah. but it means nothing because I'm like, okay, I've part sold of the territory. literally tens of thousands of prints, so I don't care that I didn't get into this one craft show. Right. But at the beginning, it would be rough because I'd be like, oh, does this mean my art is bad? Am yeah. I not going anywhere? Right. But it's yeah, hard it just, though. It just mean you just have to like if you stop there, then you've your career is over and you've never. Yeah, and you can't you take it personally because it's just like something like not everybody likes the same type of music. Like my favorite song may not be this other person's favorite song, so that doesn't mean it sucks. It just means that's not the right yeah. person for it. That's all. Yeah. Um, nothing to say. Oh, so the your story, the what a tired web we breed. Yeah. is on Amazon. It's on sale for like a dollar. Is that right? Yeah, everybody okay. should go buy it. Okay. And that I was wondering, I looked at it and I was like, oh, I wonder if this was a response to the evisceration of Roe versus Wade. But then I saw you'd written in 2019. Oh, so no. that's interesting though. That's an interesting, that's an interesting take. Yeah. It's funny because I know I actually, it was an experiment because I had that, that story was published a, a while ago and the, the publication that published it is 
it just went away so it doesn't even exist online and it sucks because most publications won't republish a story that's already been published oh. so i was like well let me see what what it's like to like just self-publish on amazon for like 99 cents and yeah. people buy it right but you got to promote it and do all this sort of thing and yeah, i don't have sure. time for all that <laughs> yeah so you're kind of waiting until you've written a bunch of short stories and then you can make it into a full right book. right right yeah. So you, that sort of that was a sort of experiment that just exists. But I can say my stuff is yeah. for sale on Amazon. It had a cool. It had an interesting cover. Do you guys have the cover actually, image for actually, that? Actually, I and thank you for mentioning that. I yeah. would uh, thank uh, Don Sanders, uh, Lisa Watson's husband, for doing that because he really liked the story. He was like, "Oh, I could do a, I could do an illustration for that." And that's actually what he sparked, painted that. He did. Oh, I love that. It's it's, it's digital. It's like a digital uh, oh, yeah. illustration. But, it, but we were, I, and I, I, I promised to split the proceeds 50-50 with him. And right now the proceeds are zero. Tens and tens of dollars. So yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything to split the with The cover right image now. is like this kind of dark, it's like a person frantically running and then he's surrounded by like pregnant bellies. Yeah. And yeah. if you read the story, it's kind of like a fever dream, sort of cyberpunk fever dream of like serial killer. It's sort of a... Uh, I just call it like cyberpunk surrealism, maybe. Cyberpunk. Yeah. For um, lack of a better term. And you said you've just finished an entire novel. Yes. What's the? Can you tell us the title? Uh, the title is Disrupture, okay. and I call it pre-apocalyptic fiction. Everybody's doing post-apocalyptic. I'm doing right. pre-apocalyptic. It's the moment before the apocalypse. Yeah. All right. It's basically what's happening right now. Are you into like Terminator and RoboCop? And uh, I like that stuff, but I, it, this one's this one's more of like light sci-fi. There's not like a bunch of robots roaming around and stuff. It's more about it's more of a story about the characters and yeah. what's happening to this decaying society or um, um, their failing democracy. Yes. Yeah, so, so it's it's like. So it's like what's happening is in America it, yeah, right now. Yeah, I was going to ask, is it right now or is it like five years from now? Like, it's a sort of alternate <laughs> future now. It's slightly worse than what we're going through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you, how does it work when you've finished a novel? Do you shop it around the publishers? you shop around the agents? So I'm looking for agents and it's funny because it's, 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 it's like a surreal moment because I've been working on this freaking book for freaking ever. How long? I'm not going to say, but very long. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's very to hard say. to pin you down to I know, any yeah. time. Well, it's really embarrassing because well, I haven't been working on it nonstop, but I like put it aside and put it aside. I, I started it when I lived in New York. If that okay, says that's fine. You can yeah. say that. Yeah. It's embarrassing though because it should be done. Oh, it's fine. But now it is done, and it's weird because it's kind of surreal. And I'm I just two weeks ago started querying agents. Okay. And um, and it was surreal because I was like, oh my god, I'm finally doing this. Do you have to research agents and find specific people who are into your genre? Yeah, like, that's uh, exactly yeah, okay. what I did. I, I just went and found agents that represent sort of books that might be sort of in the same general literary universe as yeah. mine. So that's where I'm starting. And would they are there major publishers that are publishing things like this? Or? I would say so. I mean, it's it's um. It's not like I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm not. It's not some masterpiece of literature. It's, but I think I, there's a few, a few books that I've read recently that I'm really into, and I don't think it's exactly like my book, but it's it's in the general okay. same theme of things. So yeah. Is that part of your research for like when you're getting to the end of a book and you're looking to get it published, is to go out and specifically try to find books to read and then approach those agents? Is that yeah part of it? Basically, that's what I did. Okay. Yeah, nailed it. Amazing. Yeah. I guess I could go out and do it too. Yeah, do it. <laughs> is there anybody from, so all your past contact, all those years you had in New York and various editors that you were, like, is there anybody of those that are? No, you know, it kind of, it's kind of weird because it, I, 
I've been doing nonfiction writing for so long that I have connections on all those yeah. fronts. But I did have, I, there's a, a, a person that I've gotten to know, actually she did, a, her name's Meg Ellison, and she's actually fairly well-established science fiction writer. She was here in Savannah for an artist residency and actually wrote about her uh, in the paper when she was here. Oh, cool. We got, we, we stayed in touch and I told her, I mentioned about my novel and she was kind of giving me a few pointers and she was like, well, I, even though you, you, this is your first novel, you're actually pretty, she said, I was a little bit farther ahead than maybe some other beginning writers because I have all these credits to my name. Yeah. So maybe that helps, but I don't have a whole lot of fiction to my name. So right. I guess but we'll find just out. Just the fact that you have this resume of writing and yeah. that you can work with people, Hopefully I guess. Hopefully that makes me appealing. Hmm. Time will tell. <laughs> Time will tell. But I mean, at least it shows that like, I'm competent. I'm a competent writer, yeah. I, would, I would think. So you, so lately your life is, you're working part-time for the Savannah Music Festival and then you've been chipping away at your novel writing. Yeah. Do you have a routine? Do you have a daily routine? Yeah, I mean, it's Are you good at that? that's so boring for people that I feel like. I think, well, I think it's cool, like people. I do some drugs and then I well, like, run around, lay upside down. And, no. I think it's interesting in the sense that different artists, like it runs the gamut. And I feel yeah, like, that's um, true. I think when you're young and you're just getting started out, you maybe think that there's only one way to go about things. Right. And if you're not built that way, then you're not going to make it. And so I think it's helpful to hear other people. Okay, no, that's fair. That's a good point. That's a good point. Just to hear that, because I remember once being in class at SCAD and there was a professor who was like, you guys should be carrying around sketchbooks all the time and you should be sketching all the time. And if you're not passionate about it, then you're not real artist and you're not going, like basically, and I was like sitting there listening and being like, oh, I don't do that. No, I don't, I don't I walk around that. sketching all day. And I literally was like, I guess I'm not going to make it. I guess no. I'm not an artist. And I also hate it. I like, you, you hit on one of my pet peeves, which is like, I hate, especially with writing when people say oh I write like uh, 5,000 words every day it doesn't right. matter if like what and I call BS on that because I don't think most people even do that maybe some people do but like I hate the the idea that like if you don't do it like this then you're not a real right blank. and it's never you're not a real artist you. you're not a real writer so no but I do have a routine which is like get it get up and I do my best writing in the morning then I play with my dog then I maybe do something else but I have to have a few days back to back to get up and keep going I don't know how like for instance women with with that have kids that are they're like raising kids women or men but like yeah particularly like new mothers who've just had kids like I don't know how and they do it like write a book while they've had kids and I, I am in, totally impressed because I have to right. like my dog has to be in the other room <laughs> I have to have no 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 noise I can't like just sit down for an hour and bang something yeah, out I have to like you need a big block yeah yeah, and it, yeah I have a dog too. a dog is a lot of work yeah yeah. yeah. Sometimes she's like smacking her mouth and she's the sweetest thing ever, but I'm like, nope, not right now. Yeah, they're high it's distracting. <laughs> <laughs> so when you finish your book now, it's like all those hours that you would have been spent time writing is like devoted to the marketing and the shopping around and finding right. an agent. Yeah, you're just parlaying that time into that. Yes. And I'm, but I'm also trying to uh, use that to write some like personal essays and get some of the, um, write some more short stories, yeah. but I'm kind of splitting it between like pitching stories and pitching agents. So now that I've got the agent part out there, I'm like, okay, that's done. It's going to be a couple of weeks before I hear back from anyone. Okay. And so now I'm using that time to do other things. And, then, and are you still, I meant to ask you about this earlier, but you do a little bit of editing as well. You kind of balancing, are you still doing that? I'm not doing a whole lot of editing now, but I was editor for the tablet magazine when I was in Seattle and then I was editor for uh, Inside Philanthropy, which is an online philanthropic, um, talks, uh, it's about philanthropic giving. Yeah. 
covered the art stuff, which was actually helpful for my knowledge about the arts. Um, but I don't do that so much anymore. Okay. But if anybody needs any, it filled a gap for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If anybody needs any freelance editorial work, I'm, I'm, I am for sale. I wanted to ask you, um, on your website, you mentioned, when you mentioned the different topics that you've written about, um, you talk about that you've reviewed films and it said, oh, yeah. quote, in another life, I would have been a film director. Oh quote. yeah. And I was going to ask you, well, oh, that's you cool should, that you picked up on you that. You should do that. You should maybe direct a little film. Well, so that's funny because I actually treat specifically with my book, I basically wrote it like I would be directing a film. So it's very kind of visual. And I've always loved film. I worked for an indie um, uh, theater chain in Atlanta as a projectionist oh. and a manager. Oh, fun. Yeah. Like an old-timey projectionist? It was, a, it was an actually... It's funny because I got very proficient on these 35-millimeter projectors. I could even fix them and everything. Well, that is a skill that nobody needs anymore. So Because no, cool. no, no one uses 35-millimeter projectors. But yeah, it was an old-school like film projector. Um, but I love, but I, but it was like an independent theater. So I was like all these independent movies and foreign movies. Yeah. So I just absorbed all of that. And I've written for the Tribeca Film Festival and all that stuff. And I always thought, wow, it'd be really cool to be a film director. But that's a, that's a whole nother skill set. Maybe one day. Yeah, for sure. But that's a whole nother skill set. But yeah, I, I really, I, and I also feel like um, film actually informs my writing, my fiction writing as much as really even other books do. Are you thinking, like, you think really visually as you're writing, yeah. you're picturing it, yeah, yeah. the picture? Um, what would you like to talk to us about here at the end? Some final um, closing things, for I us. Appreciate, some wise words. I, well, thanks for thanks for having me. Um, I don't know. I, I guess just, uh, you know, my other, you know, passion is arts advocacy. So I love that you're still doing this show and everything. Um, but I'm out there um, advocating for the arts uh, all I can, and I, I can yeah. say I am just found out today that I would, I'm going to be writing an editorial for the Savannah Morning News about something related to arts advocacy. I won't say what it is. Okay. It'll, it'll be. Are, are you starting to regularly write for the Savannah Morning News again? I, or? I, I think it just depends on my time, but um, yeah. this, this is a, an important subject that hopefully I can start a conversation what about. Do you, if you have any advice for people who were um, looking to do more public art and murals and things, do you have any kind of tips or Go do it. tricks do public for, art. For, how easy is it when people apply or like pitch to this cultural board to do it do most things get approved yes most things get approved unless unless the community is just wholesale against it um i will mention a one little bit so it's, it's a pretty easy process i will give give one little nugget that um I, when i was on the cultural affairs commission we started this idea of a public arts ordinance that would be another funding mechanism for public art so there's no public funding mechanism for public art in Savannah right now but I'm still involved with them even though I'm not on the commission and there is like I mentioned to you briefly before we started the show um, that, that we're hoping to present this ordinance to City Council okay. within the next few months so hopefully then there would eventually be actual there will, money. Yeah, there, eventually there will hopefully maybe will be some actual money for public art. There's a lot projects. of modifiers in there. But yes. Cool. But unfortunately as I say to other people who want to do public art there's you, you kind of just have to go figure it out yourself but i hope people Good do do ending that ending words yeah <laughs> thank you so much chris this has been a pleasure it's been yeah, great talking you. to you thanks thank for you. having me everyone thanks. this has been christopher monroe and of course i will post links to all your things in our oh, liner thanks. notes next up on wruu that old savannah magic from 4 to 6 p.m it's a variety show featuring savannah history radio theater interviews and music 
You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul.